So the scripture this morning is John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. And this is the word of God. Additionally, however, these are words that Jesus directly spoke. So if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and what he will tell you. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you the word of the Lord. Thank you, Dean. I just I I want to jump back for a moment to uh, what Connie sang this morning. I love those in the eyes of heaven. There are no losers, no hopeless cause. It's pretty good news. But I tell you this too, in our eyes there should be no losers and no hopeless cause. Right? They're just, you know, I I think there's a tendency sometime to look at some folks and say, no way. Man, I'm glad God doesn't say that about us. Um, in, In the eyes of heaven, no losers, no hopeless cause, nor in our eyes either. Um, This morning is the second sermon in a series on the Holy Spirit. Last week we focused on who the Spirit is. We said that He is a person, and as a person He has intellect, will, and emotion, and that He is God. Um, This morning I'm going to focus on, uh, we're going to delve into the work of the Holy Spirit. This was going to be a six-week series. It just turned into seven. Because there are ten things that I... And that's probably not um, an exhaustive look at what the Holy Spirit does. But I'm going to talk about ten things. And by the time I got through five, I said, that's probably enough for one Sunday. So... um, It's one of those things that either we get two shorter sermons or one really long one. So I went with the two shorter... 
uh, version. Everybody says amen. We'll get to the restaurant before the Baptist today. Okay. Good. So, uh, first, let, a couple of things I want to explain before we, we, we jump into this. Um, the scripture deals specifically with the Holy Spirit. The scripture that deals specifically with the Holy Spirit is found in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Here Jesus is teaching his disciples who the Holy Spirit is and what he will do when he comes. Now, there's other scripture that gives us insight into the work of the Holy Spirit, and some of those we will refer to today. But the primary teaching on the Holy Spirit comes from those passages in the Gospel of John. In fact, um, the passage that Dean read today in my Bible is... uh, Over this section, it says the work of the Holy Spirit. What I will tell you that we're going to refer to other scriptures beyond just what's in John chapter 16. Um, Second, again, the passage that Dean read to us today comes from the New International Version of the Bible. And in this version, which is the version I have here and uh, and was reading from it as well, and based um, my message on, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Counselor in the NIV. Um, the, the Greek word used here is parakletos. You may be familiar with that term if you've been around the church for a while. It comes from two Greek terms, para, which means by the side, and Kaleo, which means to call. Essentially, parakletos means to call alongside in order to assist or to help. Or, it means he who has been or may be called on to help. In other words, a helper. Someone to assist us. This term was used in the, in the Greek writers of a legal advisor, a pleader, a proxy, an advocate. So depending on the version of, of the Bible that you read from, you may see the Holy Spirit referred to as counselor, as in the NIV, or helper, or advocate, or comforter. All talking about the Holy Spirit. All of these names are descriptive of how the Holy Spirit functions in the church and in the lives of of believers. Okay, squared away on that so far? Good. So what does the Holy Spirit do? What's His job? That's what we're going to talk about today. Well, first of all, He counsels. He counsels. I guess that's why He's called the Counselor. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Do you ever need counsel? (laughs) Well, that's good. You're honest. I do too. Probably uh, I need it more often than I'm willing to admit. Um, The Holy Spirit has been called alongside to help us as we navigate our way through the challenges of life, as we endeavor to walk according to the truth. Right? Okay? 
He is our counselor when we seek to know God's will. And our comforter when we face trouble, when we're grieving, when we're struggling, when life gets hard. Now, note here that it doesn't say, I will give you a counselor, Jesus said, but I will give you another counselor. Huh? What's he talking about? Well, another could have two different meanings in the original language. One word meant, one word for another meant another of a different kind. For example, if someone ran into and totaled my Toyota Camry, and the insurance payment, uh, with the insurance payment, I went out and replaced it with a Ford Fusion, which, by the way, I would never do. That replacement vehicle would be another. I had to do. I had to throw that in. That replacement vehicle would be another of a different kind. Make sense? Okay. Um. But in this verse, Jesus does not use that word. The word he uses means another of the same kind. When our three daughters were in college, all at the same time, poor family planning. That's when I first got a stomach ache, but anyway... When all, when our three daughters were all in college at the same time, they needed laptop computers for doing their schoolwork. So dad got online and went to HP and I ordered a laptop and another and another. They were all the same model with the same features. All three were another of the same kind. Okay? That's what Jesus meant when he said another counselor. He's saying, it's just like the spirit you see in me. Same person, same presence in your life. That's in mine. Okay? Those must have been comforting words for the disciples because Jesus was talking about leaving them. Jesus was saying, you don't need to worry. When I go, another counselor of the same kind you've seen in me, will come and live in you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. If you have put your faith in Jesus as Savior, this same Spirit that lived in Jesus lives in you. Remember, the Holy Spirit came on Jesus at a point. Okay? Same Spirit that lived in Jesus lives in you. Now, Think about this for a moment. Remember Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. How could that be? Well, it's because the same Spirit that was in Jesus lives in every redeemed child of God. Listen, Jesus had two hands, he had two feet, one voice, and he could only be in one place at a time. Right? Think about the millions of Christians alive today. Millions of hands, millions of feet, millions of voices scattered all over the planet. The same spirit that lived in Jesus lives in every believer and through him we can accomplish greater things. Makes sense, doesn't it? Second thing the Holy Spirit does, he abides. We talked about this a little bit last week. 
Again, John 14, 6, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. <clears throat> Did you hear that? Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with us forever, not just on Sunday. Okay? He doesn't check in once in a while. He's not an occasional visitor. He's with us 24-7. He comes to stay. The Holy Spirit is with you at home. He's with you when you walk out the door. He's with you in good times and bad times. The Holy Spirit is there. He abides. He's with you in a crowd or in a lonely place. The Holy Spirit is there with you. He abides. When you feel Him and even when you don't, the Holy Spirit is there with you. He abides. When Jesus gave the Great Commission to go into all nations and make disciples and teach them everything He commanded, He said, And surely I will be with you always. How was He going to do that? He just told us later that He was going away. How is He going to do that? He's going to do that by His Holy Spirit abiding in the lives of His followers. That's how He was going to do that. So I think often the issue here then isn't whether the Holy Spirit abides or not because Jesus said His Holy Spirit would abide, but rather do we acknowledge His abiding presence? We have a tendency to let the busyness and noise of our lives drown Him out. We talked a little bit about that callousness sometimes, that dullness that can grow into our lives in Sunday school this morning. We push Him to the periphery of our lives and then wonder why we don't feel Him and hear His voice. We may go, we may go days and even weeks without acknowledging the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. But as we start looking to Him every day, practicing His presence, being in the Word where the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we will develop a sensitivity to His voice and learn to hear Him over all other voices. He abides. He's always there, ready, waiting. The third thing the Holy Spirit does is He teaches by the way, there would be ten of these. You're going to get five today, I think. He teaches. Again, John 14, 26. But the, counselor of the, the, but the Counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. When there's something important to be learned, it's helpful to have a teacher. When Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he knew he would be returning to the Father, but would send the Holy Spirit to teach us so that we could learn from him. Jesus knew that. So good news. You don't have to go to seminary or Bible school to learn the deep truths of God. What you do need is a teachable spirit, a hunger for the truth, and an openness to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and He will teach you everything you need to know. Right? You've probably known someone like that. Maybe more than someone. Those old saints of the church, they had a grip, an understanding of God's Word, and they lived it out. They had no formal training in the things of God, but they have great knowledge and deep understanding 
of the things of God because the Holy Spirit taught them. And the scripture tells us that spiritual truth must be spiritually discerned. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Have you ever talked, maybe to a non-Christian, who was reading the Bible and they said something like this, When I read the Bible, I don't understand it. Or, I read the Bible, but I don't get anything out of it. You know why they say that? Because spiritual truths are spiritually discerned. And until the Holy Spirit opens our minds to understanding, we don't get it. People without the Holy Spirit do not accept these things because they come from the Spirit of God. By the way, let me tell you this. Kind of the the direction I'm taking with this today is more in relationship to the body of Christ. And not so much about non-believers. We, knew, we do know God works in the lives of non-believers because nobody would come to Jesus if He didn't. Alright? But this is more in the context of the body. Aren't you glad for the teaching of the Holy Spirit? Maybe before you committed your life to Jesus, you were like one of the folks I just mentioned. Boy, I read the Bible, but ugh. But now His Holy Spirit abides in you. He teaches you when you read and study the Scripture. You read a verse or a story and the meaning jumps off the page at you. Don't you love it when that happens? It's an epiphany, a revelation. And the really exciting thing is knowing that you've just scratched the surface. As you continue to commit yourself to the study of Scripture, the Holy Spirit will continue to teach. And you may read the same story or same passage ten ten times, and each time the Spirit teaches you something new. It's like, you've, you've experienced that. I've read that. Ten times before, and I never saw that in there before. Yeah. One reason that happens is because this is a living document. That's what the Scripture says about itself. It's not this dead thing. And so the Holy Spirit takes that and uses it in our lives, and He continues to teach us from the Scripture. And sometimes, even as we read that same verse over and over again, each time it's like, boom, 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 boom. The Holy Spirit instructs us in the truth and reminds us of the truth. Nurture a teachable spirit. Stay humble, stay sensitive, and the Spirit will teach you everything you need to know. Next thing the Holy Spirit does, the next job, He testifies. John fifteen twenty six. When the Advocate comes, there's another word. For the, another name for the Holy Spirit. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. This is Jesus speaking again. The Holy Spirit will testify about Me. Testify. It comes from the, a Greek word, marturio. Martyr. 
That's where our word martyr comes from. It means to be a witness, to bear witness. See, a witness is someone who, who, who sees and knows. A witness is brought into court because they have seen or experienced something. They have knowledge re- relevant to the case being tried. The Holy Spirit acts as a witness to the truth. He testifies to the truth of who Jesus is. He testifies to the effectual work of Christ's death on the cross, to the power of the resurrection, to the reality of eternal life. He testifies to the truth of Scripture. And then, Paul tells us in Romans 8.16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit testifies to the reality of the presence of Jesus in our lives, to the fact of our salvation. He confirms in us what Jesus Christ has done for us. Yea, Holy Spirit. But if you read in, in John 16, 27, if you read, read there, it says, And you, must, you also must testify. See, it's not only the Holy Spirit who testifies about Jesus. We are to testify about Jesus, too. Oh, I just didn't leave the, that work to the Holy Spirit. We have a part to play. The Scripture tells us that we are always to be ready to share the hope that's within us. And we may feel inadequate, And we may feel that our words fall on deaf ears. But you know what? We're not called to be effective. Did you know that? There's nowhere in the scripture where it says, I want you to go out and be effective. What it does tell us to do is go out and be obedient and faithful. And when we are, the Holy Spirit works with us and He's the one who does the effectiveness part. So He can take our efforts, and make us effective. Get it? We are to testify. The next work is, he convicts. Oh, not that one. Yeah. John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Let's be honest, conviction is probably not at the top of the list of the works of the Holy Spirit that we appreciate most. And yet, maybe it should be. We like to sing, The Comforter has come. But often, before we can be comforted, we must be made uncomfortable. That's what conviction does. It makes us uncomfortable, and we don't like to be uncomfortable. What a blessed work conviction is. God loves us too much, too much to let us stray into sin without confronting us about it. And He does that through His Holy Spirit. Whoops. You just stepped off the paths of righteousness and you need to get back on. There's a danger here, however. And again, we talked about this in Sunday school today. We can become dull and resistant to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. 
It's like that new pair of shoes that don't quite fit right, and maybe for a while it rubs a place on your foot, maybe it creates a hot spot, but if you keep wearing them, eventually you form a callus in that place and you don't feel the pain anymore. You know, we can come to worship every Sunday. We're surrounded by people praising God. We see Him working in people's lives. We may hear it in their testimonies. We attend revival meetings, but we don't feel a thing. We've become callous to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, adding to that is this tendency in the church today to avoid the word sin. Well, we talk about our shortcomings or our dysfunctional upbringing or our type A personality or our Irish temperament. But you know what? When you boil it down, it's still sin and the Holy Spirit convicts us when we sin. So don't blame it on your bad day. Don't blame it on getting up on the wrong side of the bed, listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Agree with Him that it is sin. And then here's this wonderful promise from 1 John 1, 9. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and, and John writes, if we confess our sins, if we agree with God, it is sin, and confess it as such, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Oh man, oh man, I'm glad that's in there. <laughs> then it says, the Holy Spirit convicts us in regard to righteousness. You know, sometimes I think we have a tendency to begin thinking that our righteousness is pretty good. I've got things squared away. After all, we can always find someone to compare ourselves to who is not as righteous as I am. But that's not our standard, is it? The Holy Spirit reminds us of just how lacking our righteousness is compared to His. When we compare our righteousness to His, to the Holy Spirit's, who is God... We are reminded of how insufficient, how dirty our own righteousness is. In fact, in the scripture it says, to God our righteousness looks like filthy rags, our own righteousness. He reminds us it is the righteousness of Christ in us by the Spirit that makes us acceptable in the sight of holy God. He convicts us regarding righteousness. And finally... um, John writes here, and these are the words of Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicts us in regards to judgment. He reminds us, uh, the Scripture reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear for the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Satan, it says, and it said in the Scripture we read today, Satan, the prince of this world, stands condemned already and he tries to convince us through false accusation that we cannot stand in the judgment. Yep, fear. What if Jesus comes back tonight? I remember, I've I've had that feeling. 
He tries to convince us that we too will stand condemned. The Holy Spirit convicts and convinces us when we forget that Satan is a liar and that he is lost. No, 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 no. That's not true. He's lying to you. He's lost. He's defeated. And he would love to take you down with him. But the Spirit also reminds us of this. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need not fear judgment because Jesus has saved us and lives in us by his Holy Spirit. And folks, that is a conviction based on the truth. Right? Based on the truth. Well, you just got five. There's five more coming. Amen? Aren't you glad for the work of the Holy Spirit? And he, listen, he doesn't have to gather us all together to do that because he lives in us. So he can work when we're together here and he can work when you're at home and he can work when you're at work and he can work when you're out hiking and he can work when you're out shopping and he can work when you're out driving, which is which, when he really needs to work in me. I don't do that. I do... I do try to help people, though. <laughs> it would be nice if you use your turn signal or... Come on, you can do it. You know. I'm a helpful. So. And I'm glad for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives all the time. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you. Oh, we're so grateful that you have chosen to make us your dwelling place through the person of your Holy Spirit. And these are the works you do in our lives. And every one of them is a blessed work, especially that thing about conviction. Oh, you love us too much to let us go astray without calling us back. Praise your name. Praise your name. And Holy Spirit, we do pray. Rain down. Rain down. Renew us. Refresh us. Empower us. Encourage us. Give us great, great vision for what you want to do through this church body to impact our community for Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for your attention today. God bless you with his grace and peace as you go this morning.